Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised this podcast episode contains the names of people who have died. This episode also contains references to suicide and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams and today we're going back to Saturday the 5th of August 1944. That was the day a Japanese prisoner of war named Hajime Toyoshima blew a bugle, giving the signal that started World War II's biggest mass escape attempt, the Kaura Breakout. This is the story of how he ended up behind those barbed wire fences in the first place, thanks to the sharpshooting of a Darwin-based digger and the bravery of an Aboriginal Tiwi Islander man. Hajime Toyoshima was born on the 20th of March 1919 in Kagawa, Japan. He joined the Navy in 1938 and trained as a pilot, graduating in July 1941. Chief Petty Officer Toyoshima was to fly the new Japanese plane, the Mitsubishi Zero A6M. He was assigned to the aircraft carrier Hiyu and was under the command of Captain Mitsuyu Fuchida when he led the attack on Pearl Harbor on the 7th of December 1941. Just a handful of Zeros were shot down that day, with all pilots killed and the planes so badly damaged they were useless for the purposes of intelligence as to their capabilities and potential vulnerabilities. 74 days later, on the 19th of February 1942, it was Darwin's turn to feel the fury of the Japanese war machine. On that day, Chief Petty Officer Toyoshima was one of 36 Zero pilots escorting 152 bombers which, in two raids, left Darwin in flames. 243 civilians and service people died, more than 400 were wounded and 23 of 45 Allied ships were sunk or badly damaged. The destruction that day included 9 of 10 Kitty Hawk planes that vainly tried to mount an aerial defence. But two Australian ground gunners got lucky. One machine gun crew hit a Japanese bomber which crashed into the sea on its return flight, killing both crew members. The other odd angry shot came from a 303 rifle. Lieutenant Sidney Sharp, who was stationed at Darwin's East Point at the Port War Signal Station, said that during the first raid, he took shots at low-flying Zeros flying back to sea. Sid missed the first fighter that roared overhead, but he would say till his dying day that he was certain he hit the second one. That was Chief Petty Officer Toyoshima Zero. 50 miles north of Darwin, over Melville Island, trying to get back to the Hiyu, the Japanese pilot was in trouble. The 303 round had punctured the Zero's oil tank and the engine was faltering. With no chance of making the carrier and without a parachute, Toyoshima had no choice but to crash land in a lightly wooded valley. Unlucky to have been downed by a rifle shot, he now got lucky as the Zero came down in one piece, though he suffered facial cuts when his face slammed into the gun sight. A photo of the plane shows its nose crumpled and its wings gouged but intact. 
the cockpit's bubble canopy windows weren't even shattered. Toyoshima was alive, but he was behind enemy lines. Even so, he had to have a pretty good idea there wasn't an Australian military presence on Melville Island. If he could hide and hold out long enough, Japanese forces might save him. And in fact, Captain Mitsuo Fuchida did launch a rescue mission, sending a float plane to sweep the island. The crew even landed at a beach and came ashore to search. Finding no trace of the pilot or the plane, they reported Toyoshima dead, and this news was relayed to his parents back in Japan, who were to lose another two sons during the course of the Pacific War. Toyoshima, though, was very much alive, and he wandered for the next two days. Then, as recounted in Douglas Lockwood's 1966 book, Australia's Pearl Harbour, Darwin, 1942, Toyoshima encountered an Aboriginal woman. Identified in this book only as Mrs. Aloysius, this woman's friends were all out looking for honey while she minded camp with the babies and infants. One of the boys saw the Japanese pilot and yelled. Toyoshima came over to Mrs. Aloysius and he saluted her. She wrote, quote, I got properly big fright all right. I ran away from that Japanese man. He picked up a baby and went into the bush with him. Mrs. Aloysius found her friends and they went after the Japanese pilot and found him holding the baby. The mother reclaimed the child. Now Toyoshima held out a watch and handed it over for the child's enjoyment. Mrs. Aloysius wrote, We asked him where all his friends were, but he didn't answer. That night, the women hid in the bush while the Japanese pilot made camp elsewhere. The next morning, island men led by 21-year-old Matthias Alangara returned to the camp and were surprised and concerned to find the women and children gone. He told Douglas Lockwood, quote, Then suddenly I heard a noise and I saw this strange man. He had a big overall on and inside these I could see a big lump that told me it was a revolver. Matthias and his friends, who'd all grown up hunting in the bush, melted into the scrub and waited for the Japanese pilot. As he passed, Matthias stepped up behind him and stuck the handle of his tomahawk in the Japanese pilot's back. He told Douglas Lockwood, quote, I say, hands up. That Japanese man was amazed when he saw so many native people. He put his hands up. We took off his clothing, everything except his underpants, and I've got his revolver, also a map. In another account, found in Robert A. Hall's 1989 book, Black Diggers, Matthias said, quote, I walked after him and grabbed his wrist near gun. He got proper big fright. I take revolver from his right side near his knee. Then I walk backwards, pointing gun. I say, stick him up, right up, two hands, no more holding hands on head. I point revolver more close. Aboriginal Tiwi Islander man, Matthias Alangara, had just taken the first Japanese prisoner of war on Australian soil. Matthias and his friends marched Toyoshima to the Snake Beach Mission Station. As they did, the Japanese pilot tried to convince them to give him back his map. They refused. At Snake Beach, the local coast watcher slash native affairs supervisor radioed his military superiors in Darwin. Toyoshima was taken into official custody by Sergeant Leslie Powell, who was with the 23rd Field Company Royal Australian Engineers. According to Australian War Memorial Records, Sergeant Powell had been assigned to Melville to maintain demolition installations, and he didn't even have a gun. Now, though, he did. Toyoshima's. 
Sergeant Powell had someone take a photo of him with this historic prisoner of war. In the picture, the bare-chested Australian wears shorts, boots with socks, and in his sunglasses, he looks a bit like Brad Pitt. Beside him, in singlet, shorts, and ill-fitting boots, Toyoshima looks at the camera through field dressings covering his facial wounds. The image almost looks relaxed. Sergeant Powell even has one hand on a hip until you notice that in his other hand, down by his side, he has a firm grip on the Japanese pilot's pistol. Toyoshima was transported by canoe to Bathurst Island where he was handed over to two RAAF personnel who were guarding an aerodrome. From there, the prisoner was flown to Darwin for interrogation. Under questioning, he claimed his name was Tadao Minami and that he was a gunner on a bomber that had crashed on its flight from Ambon to Darwin. So, he hadn't actually been responsible for any of the devastation in the city all around him. The rest of the crew, he said, had perished, but he'd managed to bail out and swum to Bathurst Island. Did he know anything about a planned invasion of New Guinea? Toyoshima, a.k.a. Tadao Minami, said he didn't even know where New Guinea was. As it turned out, it'd be another few days before Matthias Alangara and his friends found the Crash Zero, and it'd be a week after that before a team of Australians and Americans went to inspect what would be the first Zero A6M retrieved intact. Despite the many inconsistencies in Toyoshima's story, from saying he'd been captured on Bathurst Island rather than Melville Island, to not being able to provide any real credible details about the bomber on which he'd supposedly been a crew member, Australian military intelligence didn't really question his story or link him to the Zero once it was discovered. In fact, by then, they'd concluded he was telling the truth about being a reluctant peasant farmer who'd be happier not fighting a war at all. Toyoshima, aka Tadao Minami, was given the number PWJ11001. The final 01 denoted that he was the first PWJ, Prisoner of War Japan. Toyoshima was then sent to an RAAF base in Melbourne where he'd remain for four weeks. The fullest account we have of Toyoshima didn't emerge until the 1978 book, Die Like the Carp, which was subsequently retitled Voyage from Shame. This book was by veteran journalist, editor and author Harry Gordon. If that name sounds familiar, that's because he was the son of the man who boxed as Harry Gordon in the 1920s and who accidentally landed a killer blow on his friend George Mendes in the ring in 1924, as we heard in the 26th of July episode. Writing and revising his Kara book, Harry Gordon corresponded with former RAAF Sergeant Sam Shallard, who in 1942 had been assigned as Toyoshima's minder. Remarkably, given what had just happened in Darwin, the two men formed a warm friendship, learning each other's language and culture. Sergeant Shallard believed that Toyoshima, aka Tadao Minami, was a model prisoner who was done with the war, and he would be astounded by what happened two years later. Before Toyoshima was transferred to Hay in New South Wales in April 1942, he wrote his Australian friend a letter. In it he said, quote, I have spent healthy and peaceful days with you until now, but now I am quite prepared to die any time. He continued, I have no regrets to die since I shot down two fighter planes anyway. 
Although Toyoshima signed the letter with his alias, the admission he'd shot down two planes was at odds with his fake story about being a bomber gunner who'd crashed before seeing action in Darwin. Sergeant Sam Shallard kept the letter, but he didn't have it translated until the mid-1970s. At Hay, Toyoshima's mugshots were taken. These images show he'd suffered scarring around the right side of his mouth and nose and beneath his left eye, which now looked partly closed. Nevertheless, he looked defiant, sturdy and unbroken. On the 9th of January 1943, Toyoshima was transferred to Kaura Camp, now a sprawling complex where 1,100 other Japanese prisoners of war would be kept in Camp B. According to survivor Terahuko Asada's 1967 first-person book, Kaura, he and the other prisoners were treated well in terms of living conditions. But as they weren't required to work, existence was boring, and relations with the Australian guards were tense. Worse than anything, though, was the shame they'd brought on themselves by being captured. They couldn't return to Japan, because if they did, they'd be court-martialed and ostracised. The only way out under the Bushido Warrior Code, was to restore their glory through death. Demoralised by reports that Japan was losing the war and facing worsening conditions as more Axis POWs were crammed into the camps, the Japanese men of Camp B planned a mass breakout. It wasn't a complicated plan. They were going to rush guards with knives and clubs and throw blankets over the wires to try to escape. Whether they actually got out of Kara was beside the point. Death was also freedom. The breakout was set to start at midnight, August the 5th, and it would be signalled by Toyoshima sounding an old bugle that the POWs had managed to steal. In the lead-up to their escape attempt, the men drank homemade rice wine and smoked as many cigarettes as they could. Many older and infirm prisoners who couldn't take part in the breakout committed suicide in these hours. The midnight deadline had to be pushed back as preparations were finalised, but at 2am they were ready. Chief Petty Officer Hajimi Toyoshima, still masquerading as Tadao Manami, blew the bugle. As Terahiko Asada wrote in his memoir, quote, The trumpet sounded the charge, but what should have been a rhythmical call was faltering and broken, more like a shriek than anything else. What followed is now well known. The thing is though, at the time, following one big newspaper article, the Kaura breakout was censored, and it had remained suppressed for decades, the story not really being told in full until Harry Gordon's book. In short, just over 1,100 Japanese POWs, having set fire to their living quarters, charged in four directions. Two guards, Private Ben Hardy and Private Ralph Jones, manned a vicar's gun against this tidal wave of homicidal, suicidal humanity. Private Jones was stabbed to death. Private Hardy was clubbed to death, but not before he rendered the vicar's gun unusable, saving countless lives because it prevented the Japanese from turning it on other Australians. As it was, two other diggers died. Private Charles Shepard, killed by a stab wound during the breakout, and Lieutenant Harry Doncaster, who was killed trying to recapture escapees. A fifth man, Volunteer Defence Corps member Thomas Hancock, died in an accident doing his duty during the search. 
The Australian War Memorial records 234 Japanese prisoners of war having been killed during the breakout, with 108 wounded. And all 334 who did escape would be recaptured over the next nine days. As for Hajime Toyoshima, Harry Gordon's book records that he did make it past the wire, but that's as far as he got. Quote, With multiple gunshot wounds in the chest, he first smoked a cigarette, then either cut his throat or persuaded a friend to do the job for him. Toyoshima is buried in Kara's Japanese war cemetery. As for his zero, it's on display at Darwin's Aviation Heritage Centre. The Bugle? Camp Commander Major Edward Timms retrieved it after the breakout and after the war it was hung on his wall in his sitting room in Sydney. After he died in 1978, his widow donated it to the Australian War Memorial. And Matthias Alangara? As an Aboriginal man, he wasn't allowed to be enlisted in the military in 1942, but that didn't stop him doing his bit. He served an RAAF officer on Bathurst Island through 1942, acting as a bodyguard and assisting in patrols and in mine-laying operations. Matthias Alangara lived until 1980. Five years after his death, the Northern Territory government unveiled a memorial to him. More recently, in 2016, a life-sized bronze statue of this Indigenous war hero was erected on Bathurst Island. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.